Hello, and welcome to Learn to Love, a show where we talk all about things you can do to build a better, stronger relationship. Our team is powered by passionate volunteers looking to bring forward the best of what they know to help you stay together. Love is hard, but it doesn't have to be. Our podcast, articles, and videos feature insights from the latest research on relationship psychology, intimacy, conflict resolution, parenting, and more. You don't need to go in blind and make the same mistakes as those around you. Check us out on our brand new website at learnlove.ca or listen on our podcast, the Learn to Love podcast. Thank you for joining us in our vision to create healthier relationships and stronger families. Hello and welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to have you here for another episode of the Learn to Love podcast where we talk all about things we can do to build healthier relationships and stronger families. We have some really exciting news here at Learn to Love is that we've been doing a lot of interviews over the past couple of weeks with some really interesting authors, podcasters, and people with cool social media pages all about relationship building, mental health and wellness, also a number of coaches and even um, some counselors um, about wellness and healthy relationship building, which we'll be releasing in the coming weeks in season two, which is all about stories. In this episode, I want to continue the discussion from the last one about partners, gender roles, about not getting, how to not get divorced um, and recognize how our partner doesn't always see things the way that we intend them to or, or the way that uh, we think that they see them. And a lot of this has to do with how we were raised, but also um, when we were younger, like our, our experiences, and they're very different often between genders. Uh, we're going to continue that discussion a little bit more here. So just be aware of differences and don't think that your partner will always see things the way you intend them to. Um, if you said it to one of your girlfriends um, or one of your friends who are male, they, they would, may react very, very differently to the way that your partner will. Um, And another thing is we're going to talk more about teamwork and concepts of of the couple being on the same team, on the same boat. So I want you to imagine that you and your partner are on a boat, okay? Like imagine a little boat, a wooden boat out in a big sea, okay? And there are waves that come and there's storms and sometimes they rock the boat a little bit, and sometimes the wind is very, very high. I want you to think of this like your relationship with your partner, because it's you two, and the ocean and the high winds represent life, all the challenges that life brings. Like, for example, a problem in school with children or something, or stress from work, or challenges with finances, okay, or challenges with in-laws or something. These are all many of the storms that life can bring. But I want you to remember in all these challenges that you and your partner are on the same team. And it's really hard to feel that sometimes. But it's so important that you do because it's you and your partner against the world. I hope that you will spend more time and more 
you'll be closer to your partner than anyone else in your life, uh, especially if you're with them for a very long time, which, which I sincerely hope. Um, so just, just recognize that you're on the same team. Now, it's your job as partners to look out at the water, feel the winds, feel the currents, feel the waves, and get a sense for what is coming. It's so easy to feel like we have to get at our partners. We have to, I don't know, get back at them, tell them that they're doing something wrong or tell them that it's their fault because something isn't going the way that we wanted it to. But we have to recognize that they're on our team. They're on the boat with us. And at the end of the day, at least at, at one point, I hope, and I hope still today, they care about you and love you more than anyone else in the world. They are the closest to you, you know, like uh, it's so special. And, and often you get this at the beginning um, when you feel like they're your other half. And that's why I want you to think about this boat analogy, guys, because if the boat sinks, you both go down. And yes, they are, you know, some stories of people who are in very bad relationships, which I'm not going to talk about the extreme cases of like abuse and they remarry and everything works. But Divorce, it's very, very expensive for one. And also loneliness kills, guys. People who are lonely are much sicker on average and they live less long, four years less long from a study that I saw than people who are in committed relationships. There are a lot of benefits to being in one. It's, it's an amazing, amazing thing. It just takes a lot of work, okay? And that's the thing. When the, when the seas are rough, and it's stormy, I want you to always think of your partner on your team, no matter what. Remember, they're on the boat with you, and you're trying together to get the boat to overcome the storm. Now, some of us think that it's supposed to always be easy, it's supposed to always be clear, okay? And then, you know, it gets a little bit stormy, and then the boat um, starts to tip or something, and you're like, ugh, this isn't for me, I give up, I walk away. But guys, you can't just walk away from a relationship like that as soon as it starts to get challenging because everything is challenging, guys, in life. Everything has hard moments. It's going to be hard sometimes no matter where you go, no matter who you talk to, no matter who you're with. And that's why this ratio I talked about in the last episode is so important, the five to one. You should try to have five good moments for every bad moment, okay? If you have more than that, that's awesome, but you should aim for that because that's realistic. There's always going to be bad moments sometimes, especially... Um, let's say you don't have children right now, um, when, when major life decisions start to happen, like you have to get a new house, you're moving, or you have a child, or the child is, is unpredictable. Okay? When we have children, it goes against a lot of our habits um, that we had with our partner before. Okay, It's much more unpredictable. It's, it's much more chaotic a little bit. Um, and that's okay. I mean, that's beautiful. Um, it's part of being a parent. It's part of raising children. It's part of what our parents had to deal with when we were younger. But just know, guys, so many of us today give up. So many of us, we give up as soon as the sea starts to get stormy. But remember, your partner's on your team. Now, it's very convenient to just offload to them, to tell them this is your fault because of you, this happened, you know, if only this, na, 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 na. Guys, but I'm going to tell you, no one is going to be everything that they, you know, that you you would have, could have, or or should have if you were with somebody else. So I want you to try to get these words out of your head. So many of us were always comparing would, could, or should. Would have, could have, should have. No one is going to meet all of your would, could, or should. And I want you to think about this really. Like, you are so lucky that somebody wants to be with you in the first place. 
so many times I hear today, yeah, they're this, but they're not good. You know, if only they were this or they're not pretty enough, they're not attractive enough, they're not, you know, they're too this, they're too that. I want to ask you, is it really them or are you just projecting your own insecurities onto them? Is it that they're not a good person or is it that you are just so insecure about your ability to be loved and to be a good lover that you're so hurt of being rejected that you just reject them before they have the chance to reject you? And I think a lot of the time, that's the problem, guys. It's the our own voice, the own voice that we have inside our heads through other experiences, like maybe we weren't careful with somebody in the past and we went too far with them too quick by exposing our body before we got to really know them for who they are, okay? Before we went on a handful of dates minimum and really, really spoke to get to know each other and then they rejected you. Well, guys, you didn't do the screening process to get to know if somebody's worth your time. We talked about that and how to protect our hearts the smart way. Think of yourself like a house, Okay, you want to take them to each room, slowly start at the front porch, then go to the play room where you take off your shoes, okay, then go to the dining room, slowly, slowly, slowly work your way, don't go to where your delicate china is right away, because what if they're a bull or someone who can break the china, okay, like the fragile, delicate things, and a lot of us are very insecure about our bodies, okay, so the fragile thing is, is exposing our bodies, yeah, when we show our bodies right away without without screening, getting to know them, okay, or we share very intimate and personal things about our lives before we establish trust with them, okay, then you have a problem, okay, which is why you take a few months at the beginning in the courtship period to slowly, slowly, slowly like an onion unravel the layers, okay? But once you did that, guys, there's a bit of a change between the courtship period where everything's fun and exciting, and we talked about this in stages of our relationship, too, when we're actually living together. One of them is that hormones start to wear off. So remember we said that hormones are caused by like the feelings that we get. I mean, feelings are called feelings because we feel them in our body. They're emotions, which we feel, okay? And they come from hormones. Now, what makes a hormone's feeling is the change in concentration of that hormone, which is chemical, okay, in our bodies. So for example, if we felt alone for a long time and suddenly we're hugged a lot now, we're going to have a huge spike in chemicals for feeling closeness, togetherness. And that change in concentration is going to lead us to feel like we're on top of the world, okay? I know, I know many of you have had this feeling at the beginning. But then what happens is we get used to that, we get used to that new higher level of concentration in our blood, and then those feelings go away. Why? Because feelings come from change in concentration. So if it spikes really high, and then it can't keep going high at the same rate, um, then it's going to start to level off, and then we're going to stop feeling it, because that, you know that's like the honeymoon phase, okay? Honeymoon phase. And it's also, if you can think about it, it's kind of like stocks. Um, the stock market. So stocks go up if the company is growing. I mean, stock prices, like for example, if the company can increase their earnings per share or if they can increase their sales targets, okay? Like from, from what the analyst predicted, then the stock price goes up. And But it doesn't just go up unless there's a change, okay? So that's what I'm saying. It's change in concentration that leads prices to go up, that leads feelings to occur. If it stays the same, 
um, then there's no reaction. There's no real change. You don't really feel something. So that's okay. I mean, that's normal. That's the honeymoon phase, which, you know, we say because there's a huge spike in feelings. And then we have to learn how to actually get gas in the car, how to create real connection that's not based only on hormones. Um, so, okay, so that's okay. But that's also why we have all those episodes on feelings not having IQ, because you can't always go on your feelings. Feelings are very fickle, guys, and they change. They change. Like your hunger, how hungry you are, how thirsty you are, how tired you are, how stressed you feel from something totally unrelated to your partner is going to make huge, huge changes towards your your feelings. And we talked about this a lot, a lot in that episode, A Cognitive Neuroscience Approach to Understanding Feelings, and also in our other episodes on feelings not having IQ. Um the thing is, because we're we're not really good at understanding what causes feelings, okay? Especially if we're numbing. We're trying to ignore our feelings. Um, so we get mad at our partner because it's convenient to just offload it onto somebody else and think, where am I responsible? When really there's something that, that we could do better, but it's just easier to blame our partner. But like, we can't know if it comes from our partner, if it comes from something else, unless we really, really get into it. And a lot of us aren't aren't doing that, okay? And that's another thing, it's going against your grain. It's really easy to blame others. It's really easy to not take good care of yourself, for example, like not wanting to exercise, not wanting to eat healthy. It's easy not to do that, okay? Like, for example, do I want to cook a really nice dinner and do I just want to warm up something in the oven? I mean, or sorry, in the microwave, okay? Like um, something that's frozen, for example, um, that has a lot of preservatives in it. So that's the thing, like there's another message in society that it's so important to um, always feel good, but I'm saying, no, 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 like a lot of things in life are hard. Um, You have to go against the grain sometimes and do what doesn't come so naturally to you to get the best results. And examples of that are like in conflict resolution. We said it's really hard to want to comfort your partner when they're angry with you. Your default reaction is just to lash out at them. But you know what? Children also scream and cry. Um, And adults learn to use their, I mean, I hope, learn to use their indoor voice and to speak respectfully. So you have to go against your grain. We learn as children, you know, the default is to want to scream, but you can't do that. And we have to learn as adults too. The default is to not work so hard, is to be kind of lazy on this, is to blame someone else. But that's not the best thing to do, okay? I, I feel like some adults think, oh, I'm in adulthood now, you know, I'm, uh, I'm done my learning. But it's like, hold up, no, no, no. We still have lots of learning left. And that's okay because it's very exciting and it makes life lots more interesting. I want to talk a bit now about, a little bit more about the, the concept of this boat and, and team and and uh, gender roles and relationships. So we said in the last episode that women, without like stereotyping too much, but there's generally like uh, John Gottman talks a lot about this in his work, and there's a lot of other studies too that discuss this. Women generally have more experience in managing emotions than do men. And this is largely because from a very young age, women are allowed to show emotion, whereas men are taught to repress emotion. And you can look at this with two young kids. So we used an example of like an eight-year-old boy and an eight-year-old girl. If the boy cries, he's going to get labeled a crybaby and everyone's going to make fun of him. 
if a girl cries, she might become the center of attention in the group and people will try to console her. Boys are taught not to show emotion from a very, very young age through to teenage years. And even in the home, like I want to, I want you to ask yourself if you have a male child, um, what do you do when they cry? Do you let them cry or are you kind of like, oh, you shouldn't be crying? Cry baby. You know, like what are your own biases? Okay, so I just just noticed this. So women in general have a lot more experience in discussing emotion because it's socially acceptable for them to feel emotion and to share emotion with their peers. So by the time you reach adulthood, there are many times, and you know, you see this in movies, when the woman is like, honey, what's wrong? And they're like, nothing's wrong. You know, stop asking me. And they're like, are you sure? And they're like, yeah, nothing's wrong. And then weeks later, they're like, um, the man goes to the woman and says, you know, this has been bothering me. And they're like, honey, I realized this like two weeks ago. Why didn't you tell me? And you have to realize it takes time, okay, to recognize the emotion, to recognize what it is, and to feel comfortable talking about it without getting flooded. Remember flooding. It's when you get so overwhelmed that you can't, you can't like process. Like you just, you need to take a break, a pause. Okay. And by the way, I highly recommend taking pauses. It's so important to be able to feel safe, to be able to start to calm down and to feel like you have the opportunity to calm down. And it's very hard to resolve conflict when we're very aroused because our, our, like, remember we talked about emotional hijackings, like the amygdala intercepts signals and responds to them before they get to the frontal lobe, uh, which does a lot of critical thinking and reasoning. And the amygdala does a lot of instinctual responding, like very emotional responses, things that we might regret later. So if you notice that you're, you're feeling very emotionally aroused, okay, it's totally okay to call a pause. You should talk about this with your partner. Um, it may do wonders. But because women in general may have more experience feeling emotions and discussing emotions with their peers, they may feel more comfortable understanding them, okay, early on, and also hearing things that involve a lot of, like, like hear, hearing things which for one partner may invoke a lot of emotion, but may not invoke as much emotion for them. So some of this comes from the, the research we were talking about from John Gottman and their group about the, the criticism, contempt, defensiveness and stonewalling. Remember, we talked about those four horsemen that can lead to the destruction of a relationship um, if they're used. So a man generally will get aroused to the point of flooding from criticism, whereas a woman sometimes, her heart rate will stay relatively similar until contempt. Remember the difference between complaining and criticism. Complaining is you're being specific and you're saying, Things like, it bothers me that the dishes are in the sink. You're very, like, you're specific, and it's not the partner that's the problem. It's the the, the, the thing that's going on, okay? So, like, it bothers me that the floor is dirty. I don't like it when the coats aren't hung up on the dresser properly. You're just really specific, Okay. Um, I don't like it when the dishes are left dirty in the sink for a couple a couple hours. So that's okay. That's good. It's okay to complain. So many of us feel like we can't complain. But no, guys, if you don't complain, you won't be able to assert yourself. And a lot of things will go down that you don't like. And because of this, 
um, you may end up after a couple months or a couple years feel so stuck. Like, what am I doing here? Um, how am I living in this environment? And a message for that is like, well, start start early. Okay, it's okay to complain. Um, it's a little bit hard for some people to feel comfortable asserting their needs. I don't know if this is because they were never taught it when they were younger or their parents never had boundaries um, in the house or never taught them about that or their friends didn't have them or they just never like realized that it was important. But if you find yourself not asserting yourself, it's very important to start complaining. It's okay to complain, okay? You can write things down. Too. Like you can make some people have like a suggestions box when if they, you know, things that bother them throughout the week, they can write down, they can put them in a box and then they can open the box at the end of each week when they have their check-in time and talk about it. I mean, that's just one example. Um, alternatively, you can write things down like in a book and you could talk about it or you can just talk about it in the moment. Now, don't be so critical, like in the sense of, Everything bothers me. I mean, you have to be realistic. You have to compromise. Remember, it's not just your boat, but it's yours and your partner's boats. You're sharing it, okay? Um, and it's your job together to keep the boat afloat. Um, but yeah, definitely bring up things that bother you. Um, if it's, it, may, it may feel unnatural at the beginning, but like it's okay. It's going to lead your partner to better understand you too. And if you're scared about it, or if, if your partner brings it up to you and you don't know what to say, just be curious, guys. Remember your goal, always keep the boat afloat. Be curious. What are my partner's needs? What are they like? What works for them? And how can I help them like, be satisfied? Okay. Now, if we are insecure ourselves about our own ability to be loved, um, or that we're good. Like if we don't know if we're a good person inside, it's going to be really hard for us to hear our partner sometimes complaining about things that we can do better. Um, because we're going to hear it as you're not good enough. You're a bad person. No, 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 no. Okay. But guys, this, no, no, no. Like that sucks. Like if, if you hear it that way, that is really hard for your partner because you're not giving them the opportunity to express themselves. Okay. And it's hard to overcome insecurities like this, and it can't be done overnight because they weren't built overnight. I mean, over years of thinking about them, they, they formed habits of thought processes that became ingrained. Um, we can change them by like making a list, for example, of all the things that we want to think about ourselves and read it every morning over and over again, for example, and every evening before we go to bed. This is going to change the way that we think about ourselves. Or guys, there's coaching, there's counseling, there's lots of books about this too. What I'm saying is if you are not allowing your partner to express their needs to you um, because it makes you feel overwhelmed because of your own insecurity and you don't hear it for what they're saying, but you hear it for, I'm a bad person when that's not really what they're saying, um, you're making it really hard for your partner to express themselves. So that's something that you want to work on, okay, for your partner um, to make it easier for them, okay, to express themselves and to be heard, um, and so forth. Um, okay, so when, when we talked about gender differences, we said, so complaining is generally okay, but criticism is when you say that there's something wrong with the person. It's not, you know, the, 
the dishes in the sink are bothering me, it's that you're fundamentally a bad person, or you're so lazy, or you're so bad, or I can't stand you, or like you, you are, um, you're so inconsiderate, you don't do anything for me. Okay, that's criticism. How can you tell the difference? It usually starts with you instead of I. It's usually very general, uh, non-specific. It's not solvable, okay? It's just like a statement. There's no solution there. And it makes your partner feel really, really bad. It says that there's something wrong with them, okay? And no one likes people that say mean things to them that hurt them, okay? So they're going to distance themselves from you to protect themselves if you, if you go to this. Now, many men will get flooded at criticism. If you use these kinds of statements with them, they'll become so overwhelmed that they'll maybe want to walk away or um, they maybe won't be able to continue the conversation because their blood pressure or heart rate will go up so much, okay? Um, but women, and, and John Gottman's research may be better suited for this, so their heart rate won't go up as much because they're more used to managing and feeling emotion and expressing it and soothing themselves as well from emotion. So the next stage, contempt, is when you criticize somebody with the intention to hurt them. You're actually trying to hurt them and insult them, and you could do this if you're very angry at your partner. This will totally do it for most men, and it's at this point that women usually start to have their heart rates increase too, from John Rotman's work. Um, so, it's important to recognize here again that your partner sees things differently than you because many women, if, if they see that their man is getting overwhelmed or like wants to walk away or something, um, at the criticism stage, they'll level it up to contempt to say, you know, you don't, you're not noticing me in criticism or you walk away when I give you criticism, so I'm going to give you contempt to show you that it's even more serious than you thought it was before because if you knew how serious it was, you wouldn't walk away. And my response to that is, no, 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 that is not what's going on. The partner's walking away because it's too much for them to handle. Remember, they're not allowed to show emotion for their entire life. You literally grew up in parallel universes for like decades. And now you come together and expect them to be a mastery over these emotions. No, like when things get overwhelmed and you're not allowed to show emotion, you walk away. That's like conditioning. That's like what people learn. Okay, if they're never allowed to show emotion growing up. So recognize it not as rejection, like, oh, they're walking away because they don't care, but they need time to calm down or this isn't working, okay? Try complaining. I know it's like people say don't complain, but I'm saying complaining, guys, is way, way more effective when done properly than criticism and contempt. Now, some people think that contempt is complaining. It's not, okay? Whining and rolling your eyes and mocking your partner in an attempt to hurt them is not complaining. That is contempt, and it is a relationship killer, okay? If something's so important to you that you need to get it out through contempt, you need to do something else about it. Like, try, in other words, to say how important it is to you, or try speak to your partner in a way that they can hear you and engage with you. Because remember, guys, it's your boat, the both of you. You can't just try paint it your way if it doesn't work for the other. You have to compromise. And a big part of this compromise will be on understanding that you see the world very, very differently, not just based on the way you were raised, but also the way you were raised with respect to your gender. Okay? Were you allowed to show emotion or not? Were you allowed to soothe yourself? Were you allowed to cry? Were you allowed to show dissatisfaction? Were you allowed to be upset? Okay? All these kinds of things matter because the more experience you get calming yourself down when you're upset, the better you are at it. Okay? And if you're not allowed to 
be upset in the first place when something triggers you um, and it makes you upset. It's going to take a really long time to calm down and that's okay. That's okay. It's just, you have to recognize that. Another thing that I want to mention when, while we're on this topic of genders is gender expectations. So for a lot of women, it's very important that the man does housework or helps with the baby, for example. But many men don't recognize this. And I want to just, before you, before you freak out or something, I want to just point out why. I want you to look at movies and popular culture, okay? And like think of like a young boys. So many, many young boys, when they're little, they want to be Spider-Man, they want to be Superman, they want to be the Hulk, they want to be Captain America. And there's barely ever family roles in these movies. And I just want you to notice this. Does Spider-Man ever help with the kids? Does Spider-Man ever go grocery shopping or clean the house? Does Superman ever care, like change the baby's diaper? Okay. Does um, Captain America ever sweep the floor when it's dirty? And I just want you to notice these things. You might be thinking, oh, my partner's so selfish because they don't want to help or, oh, they don't care about me. Guys, these negative self-talk is going to do real damage for your relationship because you're projecting things that aren't there. Remember, they're on your team. Why see them so negatively? They are on your team. Okay, change the script in your head. It's going to completely change the way that you see your partner. Just by recognizing that you're on the same boat is going to completely, completely change it as well because you need each other for survival. You really, really do. And you think that I don't need them. I can be fine on my own. But you are so much healthier and people report much higher life satisfaction when they're in a committed relationship, okay? There's lots of studies on this. A big, famous Harvard cohort study on this too, okay? Which um, is mentioned in our course on Udemy. So, um... The main idea here is that, okay, so if you were a young boy, okay, who, who really liked the Hulk and Spider-Man and you never, like, you never saw your role models ever help around the house or help with the baby um, and in your home, because maybe you come from a slightly older generation, you didn't see the father doing so much of the housework, okay, because maybe the, the mom, the woman was working from home or she worked part-time and was just home more, so did it more, Um that, that the individual is going to have a hard time automatically recognizing what needs to be done because they were never taught it, okay? They never saw it modeled in the home and they never saw it modeled in any of their role models and they were taught, you know, be like Superman. So now they're trying to be like Superman. And then the woman is like, you're so na 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 But it's like, hold up, just be really specific with what actually needs to get done because I don't know. I really don't know is what a lot of people are saying. And it's like, well, how do you not know? It's like, well, it was never modeled to me, okay? And if for 20, 25 years of your life, you had, you never had it modeled and you had the same repetition over and over and over again of not being exposed to it, not being aware how to do it, okay? You're not imagining yourself doing it. It's going to take a little bit of time before you get comfortable doing it again. Now, the best way to do this is through habit formation. Be extremely specific, start small, and repeat, okay? So if you want to get someone to do housework who isn't doing housework, you got to be extremely specific. I want you to sweep the floor um, in the kitchen, and I want you to do it like this, and just show them so they know how, okay? Then, do it every day, okay? And then once you get that every day, at a certain time, expand. Okay, now we do the whole house, okay? And then say, okay, washrooms on these days. But I'm just saying, don't assume intuitively that they're just going to get it automatically because that's a skill. It's a skill to know how to do housework, okay? 
And if it was never modeled, it's going to take some time. Start small, be specific and encouraging and repeat. Repetition is the key to habit formation, okay? And reward positive behavior like by offering a hug or holding them or, or smiling when they do something that you like to give them a sign that they're doing the right thing, okay? It goes for anything you do with your partner. When you show them what you like and you model the behavior, you repeat it and you smile back, um, it does wonders. Because remember, your partner is on your team. They want to be on your team too. They want to keep the boat afloat. They just don't know how sometimes and you have to show them and just recognize this modeling too. And it goes for girls because as well, because a lot of girls, they watch princess movies, okay, where there's this princess and... I know this is a fairy tale, a bit of a stereotype, but I, w I want you to think about it as well because it's actually kind of significant. Um, a prince comes and he gets off the horse and he rescues them and solves every problem that they ever had in their life. And he's tall and he's handsome and he's smart and cheerful and caring and they never get into fights and he takes care of their every needs. And it's like they have telekinesis and can read each other's minds, okay? And they grew up thinking somebody's going to come and solve every problem I ever had in my life and it's going to take care of me and it's going to spoil me like I'm a princess and get me lots of things and make me feel so special all the time. Okay, and it's just like, well, why would they think this? Maybe it's because that's what media is showing, okay? And also there's a lot of very negative media today of like celebrities or on Instagram too, only posting the positive or you see a lot in celebrity culture getting divorced. The second thing gets slightly uncomfortable and they think, you know, I deserve this. I deserve this. I should be like this. I want to be like this princesses that I've seen for my whole childhood. But it's like, hold up. <laughs> There's going to be moments of tension which aren't shown in the movies, which aren't shown on Instagram. And just to recognize that it's not all princess saving cheerful. Um, and people are going to say, yeah, of course. I mean, I know that's just a fairy tale. But deep, deep inside, people are still influenced by this repetitive expectation that's been set up to them so much. And intuitively inside, they still kind of want that. But it's just, it's just important to recognize how we were influenced, okay? The way that we were raised. It's so, 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 so important. And also, the differences between the genders. So the movies each gender watched, the role models each gender had, and what was modeled to them in the home. Okay, so just remember, your partner isn't a bad person. Like, they're not trying to do bad to you 99.9% .9 of the time. I mean, contempt is actually trying to hurt, but I really, really hope that doesn't happen in your relationship because it's so damaging. And it's so hurtful for both partners, okay? The one receiving and the one saying, because who wants to hurt the person they love? Feel they feel bad afterwards. At least they should if they if they really care for this person. And also because they want the loving relationship. So it's hard to say that to somebody when you want a loving relationship. Um, so just, just remember all these things, okay? It's so important to recognize how we were raised and what we're modeling. And that goes for parents too. Because a lot of parents will tell their children, you know, don't raise your voice. Use I statements. They teach them how to have friends, okay? Because you have to know how to interact with people to have friends in school and to grow up and to be a productive adult. But then when they have conflict with each other, they'll just yell at each other. Okay? They'll, they'll yell. They won't consider each other's views. They'll use a lot of you statements, a lot of contempt. And guys, what are you teaching your children? Because children are like sponges. They soak up everything. Okay? So, and if the, you know, the parents are often the children's role model. Like, they're superheroes. So, and they have an even larger influence on them than all this media consumption. 
So if you want your children to act a certain way, you have to model that, okay, which we know, but we have to go against the grain very often because often we fight, we're lazy, we just, you know, we just curse, we just yell. But I'm telling you, what message is that telling the children? It's so, 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 so important. You have to think about this. You have to go against your grain. Okay, and a lot of parents are scared to to learn about ways to fight better um, or seek help. There's tons of coaching. There's tons of books. Okay, it doesn't mean that your life is in serious trouble if you seek them out. Um, there's so much that we can learn to make our lives just that much easier. And it's, it's about that. It's about making your life easier. We spend so much money on other things. So why not spend a little bit on improving our lives? Okay, because our relationships and our children and our, what we model to them is really the most important thing. So learning to make them better, like by listening to this podcast, I'm so happy that you're listening and learning tools from here um, will go wonders. Wonders, 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 I hope, for your relationship and your life. I want to talk about another thing quickly while we're talking about conflict, um, which is about validation, which is so, so, so important too. Um, and this is something you want to do with your children and with anybody. And we've talked about this in the conflict resolution series. All about validation, it's like the biggest, one of the biggest conflict and stress um, reducers, um, and it works well with anyone. So whenever somebody's saying something to you, okay, especially if like in times of conflict, everyone wants to have their feelings acknowledged as real, as if they exist, okay? So what you want to do is just repeat back to them the feelings and and see that if you got them right. Okay, so for example, somebody comes home from work and their partner is uh, in the kitchen and they want dinner and there's no dinner ready. Okay, the, the person who comes home. I'm so stressed. I wish there was food to eat. I had such a difficult day. Why is there no food on the table? Now the partner can respond in two ways. They can either say, you pig, what do you expect me to always make food for you? How dare you speak to me like that? Okay, well, the, the, okay, that's one. Well, what's going to happen there? The, the partner is stressed already. Um, well, that's going to make them even more stressed, and then this may lead to a fight or some sort of conflict or them just barging out of the house, which you really don't want. Um, or another alternative thing you could say is, Honey, it seems to me that you're really stressed right now and it looks like you had a really difficult day at work and you're hungry and you just really want to eat something right now. And they're going to say like, yeah. And just saying that is enough to calm them down a little bit. Okay? And then you can say, I know that it's super important for you to have food ready right now. Um, I was really busy taking care of the kids or running errands. Um, and I'm sorry to not have things ready. Um... Because usually, let's say, like, usually it's their role, okay? So you can say, sorry. Or if it's not their role, you can say sorry anyway, just because you're sorry that your partner's uncomfortable. That's okay. Okay? It's okay to, like, feel for your partner. Um, and you could respond by saying something like, um, we're going to work on this. Why don't we order from this restaurant? Um, call them, and I'll ask the kids what they want. Okay, that's perfect. It's, like, problem solved, um, without having a fight. Or another thing is, I can see you're really um, stressed and really hungry right now. Um, um, we have eggs, we have some vegetables. Why don't you make an omelet while I 
um, get the kids ready or something. Guys, and that's like, that's, it's, it's much harder for someone to want to explode at their partner if you acknowledge and validate their feelings than if you don't. Okay, like once you validate their feelings, then they feel like, huh, someone understands me, they're on my team. And you want to really do this in any, any interaction. Try to validate, try to acknowledge their feelings as real. That's so, so, so important. Okay? You can do it with friends at school. So like somebody looks sad and then you can um, ask them, you can just say something like, you look sad today. That's enough. Okay? Or let's say that two kids are having a fight. Um, you don't care about me. Then you can say, you feel hurt and projected. Like, is that true? Um, do I have it right? Okay, and I know, like, this isn't realistic for kids to say because it's usually, like, something that adults only learn in adulthood. Um, but anything like this helps to really calm down situations. Now, you don't want to paint a picture of the person. You just want to be curious and ask, like, is this true? Okay? It seems to me that, or you appear that. Is it, do I have it right? It's like, yeah. It's like, okay. It's like, and then they smile. It's like, if you get it right, then it's hard to get mad. Okay? And so validating. So, so, so important. Um, and like a last thing that I want to just mention before we close off this episode, we talked about a lot of things. This boat analogy, um, validation. We talked a little bit more about differences in the way people are raised, especially by gender roles and things that they see in media. Uh, we talked about modeling from parents and confusion when you think something's easy and intuitive, but it's not um, because the partner didn't learn it. Um, and then we talked quickly about validation, how to help your partner feel like you're, they're on your team, okay? And you're on their team. Um, and the last thing I just want to mention, guys, is that everyone has a story, okay? Everyone. And you know how, like, you're so up in your head thinking about your life and, like, you're so preoccupied thinking, you know, the voice inside your head going on and on about you? Well, everyone has that, guys. Everyone is so focused on their life that they don't even notice so much that you think is going on in your life. Like, often we feel like, oh my God, what are they going to think about this? But it's actually like, guys, they're so busy thinking about their own life that they they may not notice. So that's one, one thing to think about if you're very, like, critical of yourself. Because we're often most critical of ourselves, okay? Like, all the things that you notice in yourself that you think other people won't like, um, that you think your partner notices, guys, I'm telling you so many times they just come from your your thoughts okay but they're not actually the case which is why i say your thoughts are so important like if you can try to have more positive thoughts through repeating those it's going to completely change the way you see yourself and um also when we talked about before like the insecurity um how people feel insecure um and then they don't let their partner say their needs okay um because they think that they're a bad person and they cry if you have like the slightest criticism um, then that, that's really hard for your partner. But same thing, it's like when you have very negative thoughts, um, okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna to inhibit you from engaging in these meaningful conversations. And that goes towards the independence, interdependence. Remember we talked about interdependence in that partnership versus needy dependence episode, which is being able to solve most of your needs on your own, like the self-esteem, um, feelings, like connecting to your body, being good to yourself, exercising, a lot more of that in that episode, um, but having your 
going to your partner for like needs beyond you, like um, wanting a hug, okay, or solving a difficult challenge that you want to speak to somebody with. Um, so, okay, so working on establishing strong, um, like a strong sense of self, it's going to help you with that because it's going to make it easier for your partner. Like you're not going to put pressure on your partner to establish that for you, which is really hard for someone to do. Okay. Um, and another thing, one more thing about, about, um, talking about issues with your partner. Um, I want you to remember that if your partner isn't used to talking about emotions, it may be really hard for them to like talk about like difficult problems with you. They might just not be capable, at least now, of of hearing you out because it may make them feel overwhelmed, flooded, seeing you so down. Like if a woman cries in front of a man, a man is taught never to cry, right? So if he sees somebody crying, it's maybe a very, very intense feeling. They may get completely overwhelmed and say, it breaks my heart to see you like that. And they may walk away because they don't know what to do. Okay, so just think if your partner is not being able to fulfill that role that you had maybe with other friends who were, who were girls before, that's why it's so important that you still have friends in your life for this inter interdependence, okay? You're being independent and solving many of your own needs. Like talking about some issues that your partner doesn't feel comfortable with your friends, that's okay, okay? We have to recognize the strengths and limitations of each of our partners. They, they, they all have strengths and weaknesses, and, and we do too, and we can't change people. I mean, we can help people um, get better, but we can't completely change them. So if something just isn't working, I mean, don't put, put, don't put so much pressure on them. It's better to um, instead look for someone who can help you satisfy that need, which is why it's so, so, so important to have friends too, okay? Because like friends are going to help you with this. Now, going back off when I said um, everyone has a story and guys, everyone is the center of their life, okay? Their own life. And this is good because people... People are always thinking about themselves too, which is okay. It's not selfish to think about yourself. People are worried about how they can be their best selves if they're doing something right, okay? That's okay. But because of that, you have to treat everyone with respect. You have to always treat your partner with respect too because remember, you're on the same team. And just like you're so important for yourself and so many of your thoughts are concerned about being how good you are, you have to be sensitive to your partner and recognize that they're so concerned with themselves too if they're doing something right, if they're being the best that they can, what other people are thinking about them. Their minds are going on and on and I know that your thoughts are racing sometimes and you feel so overwhelmed. Their thoughts are racing too, guys. Everyone's thoughts are racing. Everyone has a story and this is such an incredible discovery when you fully realize that just as concerned as you are about your life, other people are concerned about their lives too, okay? Like, try come out of your body. I mean, not actually, but I mean, like, imagine that you're out of your body and in someone else's head. This is true empathy. They're going to be thinking so much. So many things may bother them that you don't realize bother them. They may be going on and on thinking that they did something wrong or that they're not good enough or something, and, and you don't even realize that, guys, because people don't realize what's going on in our head. So many times, like... We go somewhere and we're anxious, not over the event, but over something else going on in our heads. And we give ourselves a break because, oh, this was bothering me from before. But how are our partners and other people going to know what's bothering us, really, if we don't tell them? And also, for that reason, it's so important that we don't judge, or at least that we try to judge favorably for anyone, guys, not just our partner, 
but like anyone we interact with at the store, at the restaurant, at, um, with our friends, with our children, if someone does something, don't just say, oh, they're so this. It's so easy to do that because we want to feel morally superior, like, oh, we're better. Because if you need to feel like you're better than others, it comes from a place of insecurity. I'm telling you, because maybe you think that something's wrong with yourself and you don't want to believe it. So you're trying to make yourself feel like you're better than others. Um, it's just so, 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 so important to recognize, guys. Everyone, everyone has a story. Don't just label people by saying you're so this, especially to someone on your team, guys. Your role as a partner is to try to bring out the best in them. Okay, because they're on the boat too. They're helping you row. You want them to row well. You want them to do great. Because when they're rowing with you, you can do so many amazing things. You know, there are all these little boats and everyone rows in synchronization and they can cross the ocean with them. They can do incredible speeds. There's amazing, amazing things you can do when you are on a team, guys. And if you want an incredible story about this, look up Ernest Shackleton. Uh, the 1915 um, Trans-Antarctic Journey. A handful... Okay, I'm, I'm going to spoil it for you. Um, they didn't make it. I mean, they all survived. Oh, I just spoiled it for you, if you're going to read a book about that. But I'm sorry. They didn't cross Antarctica, but they pulled off an incredible, incredible rescue mission, this team. Um, and at the end, a handful of people crossed 800 kilometers of the most dangerous stormy ocean in the world, Okay, and all in a little, little wooden boat because they were rowing together and they were motivated and they were bringing out the best in each other. Okay, so that's what I want you to do. I want you to try to bring out the best in your partner instead of labeling them, instead of judging and everyone, everyone around you because remember, you never know what's going on. Did they act that way because they have something against you? Or are they just stressed about something else? Or did they not even realize that you would ever think that they have something against you? Okay, just recognize this because we don't see the world objectively. You think that they do something to try hurt you, but they don't even realize that it could hurt you and they really don't mean to hurt you. When you look at your partner from a lens of them trying to help you and them um, trying to be there for you and support you, okay, you're going to see totally different interactions. And if things aren't working out right now and you feel stressed, remember, your goal is to keep the boat afloat. Your goal is to look for storms and wade them out early by talking about things that bother you, by building trust and connection. And it takes time, guys. Habits and difficult conflicts and this kind of stuff and, and interactions that we have with our partners, with ourselves, with our peers, they form over years. They weren't formed overnight, so they can't be changed overnight. But that's okay, okay? They were formed over since childhood, the media we consumed, all this kind of stuff. We can't change them overnight, but we can work to get better. Remember, if you just get 1% better every day for 365 days, you will be 37,000% or 30, about 37 times better by the end of the year because of compounding. Okay, 1% better. Just try every day. Get 1% better in your communication in your understanding of your partner, um, in judging favorably, and recognizing that your partner's on your team, and trying to see them through a positive lens, and recognizing gender and other roles that have influenced them, okay, and so much more, you will be awesome at keeping the boat afloat 
that will lead to better health, well-being, and happiness for you, for your partner, better modeling for your children on how you want them to react to conflicts and other stressful times, and better, honestly, honestly, for yourself. You'll be happier, you'll feel more satisfied, you'll feel more loved, you'll actually be healthier, you'll have a stronger immune system, you'll be expected to live up to four years longer, um, you'll be at much less risk for a whole bunch of diseases that are associated with loneliness, a lot of chronic diseases, you'd be really surprised, and you'll prove to yourself that you're the kind of person that can overcome difficult times, persevere, and finish your mission, get to your goal of building a healthy and strong relationship and overcoming challenges because you are strong and you are the kind of person that can do that. You're a survivor of all of your hardest days. Just repeat that to yourself. I'm a survivor of all my hardest days. You made it this far and I know that you can make it for a better tomorrow, a stronger relationship and a healthier dynamic with your family. Thank you so, so much for joining me on this episode. I have to wrap up because we're running out of time, but it's been an absolute pleasure to record this one. I learned so much while recording it about relationship dynamics, roles, gender, things that I haven't fully understood. And that's just one of the amazing things of having a podcast, a platform, because you do so much research, so many books, you learn so much and you're so motivated to learn to make it. But while you make it, you learn even more because they say that the best way to understand something is to teach it. So if there's something that you're really passionate about and you want to teach it and you're worried what other people think about you, remember people are so preoccupied with their own lives because everyone has a story that they may not even realize um, what you're like the negative things about you. They'll probably tell you, oh my God, that's so cool. And guys, everyone has positive and negative. Just do your best. Everyone who ever started a creative project was once hesitant about it and once didn't start it because things don't just bloom out of nowhere. And um, we're all normal people who are doing creative things too. So if you want to do something creative, um, go for it. Talk to your partner about it too. Get them involved. It'll help strengthen your teamwork muscle. So thank you so, so much for joining. Remember, keep the boat afloat. Look out for stormy seas. Work together because when you're in synchrony, you can do amazing, amazing things. Look from a lens of positivity and judging favorably. Look for the good and you will find it. Problems don't form overnight, over years, okay? They form and they're not solved overnight. They're solved over years, but through persevering, I know that you can solve yours too. Except for extreme cases of abuse. I'm not talking about that, okay? There's some very, very extreme cases which are very, 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 very negative. And also nothing here is professional advice, okay? It's just for educational and entertainment purposes only. Um, so in extreme, extreme cases, okay, I'm not going to tell you to persevere through through like mega, mega abuse. That's awful. I'm so sorry. But for more minor things um, and, and conflict that most of us experience, um, stay, stay for the long run, use our lessons from conflict resolution um, as well. And I hope that they will work amazing things for you. Thank you so, so much for joining me in this episode. If you want to see more, check out our social media, Learn to Love Media on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and Twitter. Um, check us out also on our website, learnlove.ca. We have some new blog posts coming up for you very shortly. And I'm so, so excited to catch you in the next episode. Thanks again for joining me.